This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, to get 20, 20, 20, to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hi, Ellis Pod fans. It's JR here. Burt's Babes, Hoddle's Heroes, even Decanio's Dozens. We've had some iconic lineups in our history at Swindon, just like the legendary menu at McDonald's. Parking or Austin, sweet curry or barbecue? Why not get a McNugget share box to enjoy the debates with your mates? And thanks to book delivery, every drop off could be a home win. Order now on the McDonald's app and you can also get rewards points too. No one wants to drop points at home, and with tasty rewards to earn, you won't be missing out. Only via app at participating restaurants. 18 plus. Rewards registration required. Points only on menu items. Delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Faith is believing in things when common sense tells you not to. Huh? It's when the time. Hello, Joe. Hello, Rich. How are you? Oh, I'm tired. I'm tired. Thanks for asking. We're talking at five minutes past eight on what I believe is Wednesday. There's that dad joke again, and it's all kicking off in Swindon Townland for good reasons, though, as Sky Sports News have just announced the signing of Charlie Austin. But that's for another pod. <laughs> yeah, you have to be patient for all the um the uh, QPR chat to come, I guess. Before we talk football, though, Joe, how's your Christmas treating you? Yes, it's been a very nice Christmas, eh? Fair. Uh, having the time off, which I've not had for a few months, is nice. Uh, Swindon tried to get in the way, but, uh, you know, that's par for the course, really. Yeah, I watched your brother's vlog from the Walsall game, which featured yourself providing a bit of analysis. And we're going to dip into that now in terms of what you thought about Swindon Town 1, Walsall 2 on Boxing Day. Not the greatest, but you were more complimentary let's just say that than others yeah um I think it did blow obviously the form isn't helping but in terms of actual performance I thought Swindon were actually pretty good there was no way they should have lost that game and you know it's the two set pieces that undo them and silly stuff but you know they were vastly superior to Walsall on the day and then it's that but the thing that that sort of came came to me is that sort of what, 21 out of 23 games now, the problem has been not putting the chances away. Or I, I think they're kind of more openings than chances, maybe, because they're situations where you should score and then don't. 
rather than necessarily having the shot. But it's that same problem, and it's the question that I come up with later on that we've had all season that they just don't put the chances away with the shots when they come. There were seven block shots in that game, and this, and you just get stung by it again, and it is starting to feel slightly Groundhog Day. I saw your brother's surprise reaction, and I think I'm pretty much the same. I don't think we were that much better than them, if at all, but a draw, I do agree, would have been a fair reflection of the game. I guess I just stand by what I said in the previous pod, where I feel like every performance is pretty much the same, apart from results that either go our way narrowly or they don't go our way. And again, it's it's narrow. I did predict a 2-1, though, for the Walsall game, but not the right winner. So I don't think I can claim the points on that one. Uh, not quite, no. But yeah, it's kind of the whole point of the way Swindon play is having that control. And as you say, if every result can go either way, you don't really have that control whatsoever. Yeah, it was yourself, Andrew Halls of BBC Radio Wilch and Johnny Leefield of The Advertiser who were on presser duties with Scott Lindsay for this game. No players uh, ahead of the Northampton Town game for this news conference. Form was discussed and in word form, Lindsay sounded a little bit narky, but when you listen to the audio, it suggested otherwise it was his normal self. Yeah, um, there were some bits of what he says where I think the words don't come across quite as as well as when you hear it. So I sort of try and work around that a little bit just to give him a bit of the benefit of the doubt because I think he needs it. Um, And he sort of talked about, obviously, a week ago, the Barrow performance was... Oh, I think Dan Hunt said it on this where, you know, is this could be a turning of the corner kind of situation. Swindon played that well that weekend. And then Walsall happens and you get the unfortunate result, really. And and then suddenly it's, you know, burn the witch again. So I, I kind of get where he's coming from. The form is bad since the FA Cup rolled around. There's no other real way around that. But he's sort of, as usual, sort of focusing on the positive and, his kind of final salvo as he walked out the door to us was quite similar in terms of we are fifth, you know, and we signed all these players. We've had the, we've had some difficulties along the way as well. Six league debuts this season, and you know, if you look at it sort of a, on a more macro level, maybe the season is actually going reasonably well, not as well as maybe we might have hoped, but it's not going terribly. It's just the the form is going horribly in the wrong direction at the moment. I think for the majority of Swindon Town fans, especially those who I've interacted with, promotion is absolutely the goal and, and so it should be. And I think for many of those, they hear things like, oh, I've given six debuts and 21 new players have signed. And they see that argument and simply shrug their shoulders and say, well, do something about it then. Because that sort of thing is the very nature of League Two, isn't it? That sort of short contract, one-year deals... Every year is is a is a bit of a is a bit of a merry go round. So it's not really an excuse, is it? Yeah, and I absolutely agree with that. I don't I don't think it is sort of an excuse. Swindon maybe didn't have the summer they would have wanted in terms of having to make all those changes. But you know, you do, you do have to get on with it. And for the most part, it's it feels bad at the moment. But I think coming into the season, most people were probably looking at the team and thinking playoffs would be nice. And I think a lot of people actually predicted lower and Swindon are firmly in the playoffs at the moment. So it, I think things are getting a bit hot in the moment. I, as you alluded to the Alex Vlogs video, but I did sort of come down the fence that I think maybe we need to be looking elsewhere. But 
I also don't think it's an you know it's a sort of sack the man and burn it all down situation because we are fifth in the conversations I'm having and conversations I'm reading the fifth position seems to be considered more and more like a misleading placing they might be wrong we might be wrong but this is a week where Norwich City have sacked their manager and where are they positioned that's right fifth yeah I mean I think Andrew Hawes actually mentioned that not to Scott Lindsay but just sort of generally today where you know that did happen and Norwich from probably not a dissimilar run to Swindon in terms of actual current form which is why Dean Smith has got his marching orders so there is that to it Swindon you know if people play their games in hand there is I think a world that doesn't actually exist but a theoretical thing if everyone gets three points which they can't all get because they're playing each other they could be in 11th but obviously that won't happen and the form of a lot of these other teams around us because we've been doing this for quite a while now and we've only actually moved down about one place even with the one win so no one is in good form other than the top three i mentioned in the last episode that this sort of situation tends to happen during seasons of struggle where we lose week after week and yet somehow remain in 18th or something like that and then bam results go against us and then suddenly we're 22nd I don't spend all day fretting about games in hand elsewhere because, as you said, there's no guarantee they will go against us and it's probably impossible anyway. Moving on, taking away the emotion, do you think Scott Lindsay is in danger of losing his job? Is he under pressure? I think, well, firstly, I think every manager is under pressure, but I think Scott Lindsay kind of has to be under pressure. We spoke about this, it was probably just last week, I'm losing a bit of track of the days, Um, in terms of with Charlie Austin, the board rumouredly overruling him on this, that does show a bit of a lack of faith. And I think if these next two games don't go our way, you've then got sort of two weeks where Swindon aren't playing and that's a perfect charm time to to swap him out. So I, I think these next two games are actually very crucial to Scott Lindsay because the board want playoffs. They've They've signed players who scream playoffs, Charlie Austin being one of those. So I think he has to be under pressure. All these mitigating circumstances that he brings up, I don't know that he's necessarily using them as an excuse, but he's he's kind of mentioning it that maybe it isn't as bad as people say. But there is, you know, things clearly have to turn around because like Dean Smith has found out, Swindon are heading in the wrong direction. And two losses or maybe even just a draw because of how bad Colchester have been that from this week. And I think he could well be gone by the next time we speak. Hmm, interesting. Well, we will see. Let's move on and talk about goals. It sounds like Scott Lindsay is just as frustrated as we are when it when it comes to goals. Yeah, I mean, of course he's just as frustrated as we are. His his financial fortunes are directly tied to the fact that these blokes aren't putting it in the net for him. He he likes to quote the stats. I know people don't like hearing the stats, but I would I would say that is probably a better answer saying that we have all of these good metrics than just saying I don't really know why we're not scoring goals which is kind of the alternative Um, he's obviously incredibly frustrated by it because if we were putting away the openings that what he is doing is creating then Swindon would probably be a lot pretty close to Northampton coming into this game if not possibly above them so he's incredibly frustrated he he mentioned last week about if any anyone wants to come and watch the training to see what they're doing on trying to put it right, then they can. And he, you know the amount of times if he talks about 
but doing this, if they do actually do the sort of attacking drills as much as he talks about them in, in these press conferences, then Swindon are pretty much constantly working on trying to score goals and it just isn't happening for them. And, you know, you can see you can see that frustration because th- this season could be going so much better if they just scored the chances that they put together. In terms of stats, and I hate to sound like an old football man here, but stats like shots made or on goal, whatever, they don't tend to tell the real story, especially for that Walsall game, because some of those shots on goal were never likely to threaten the goalkeeper. And it just feels like we just try the same methodology over and over again. And we rarely seem to threaten not enough urgency anyway. And we are capable of it because when we played Newport, we realised that their goalkeeper was pish and we exploited the hell out of that. Can't we just assume that goalkeepers are pish more often? I mean, at least half of them will be, right? So maybe maybe we should be. But, <laughs> you know, um, I, I, I've kind of felt like it was a sort of football equivalent of edging. West Windows have always... You're so close to scoring, but you've not actually done it. And it was sort of at least sort of half an hour of both halves. Swindon were camped on the edge of the walls on the Walsall box and just not quite managing. They would either make a boneheaded decision in the pass or overhit something, or just and you just and it, it felt to me like it was really close, but it just never came. And it was. So I kind of felt like maybe even the, the shot numbers where Swindon are top, that, that maybe they didn't even correlate to the fact that Swindon are putting these teams under so much pressure. And then whenever they got somewhere, Manny Mont for Donovan Daniels would be in the way and come up with a big block. Oh, it was a game for boneheaded passes, though, wasn't it? Both sides couldn't make the final ball count. And in some cases, <laughs> not even the final ball just before that. Absolutely, I thought after twenty minutes, I think I said to Johnny, "This is these guys are so rusty. They're you know the amount of passes and touches that Walsall made, especially early on, were sort of these they haven't played for since the second of December, and you can tell. And then they sort of got into it a bit. They still weren't playing well, I thought, but the last five minutes maybe a bit more. And then you know <laughs> they were making a lot of strange decisions." I just always remember Ben Gladwin charging the length of the pitch and then overhitting a pass to Rashan Hepburn Murphy, which is tough to do because the bloke is fast. And just like, how is this happening again? Oh, I forgot about the fact Walsall were rusty. I'm annoyed again now. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. Oh, that's okay. I'm sure I'll simmer down shortly. Let's go to the first part of the Joe Zone where shots were discussed. Um, Scott, this might sound slightly blunt, but Don't just, say that. just in terms of, you know, it feels like we've had the same problem with putting the ball away kind of all season. And you said that you feel like the players lack that sort of aggression and the little bit of, you know, composure in those areas. Why haven't they got that at the moment? Why hasn't that come through at any point? Because it feels like it's getting slightly long for just a bit of bad luck. I use fine lines, Joe. If I'm honest with you, I think it's I think it's fine lines. I think there's different variables that happen in the game and you know things don't drop the right side of you or we don't get the right contact I think there's really fine lines with it I think we've we've just got to keep believing and keep going and I think there'll be something that'll go in off someone's ear roll and go in and then all of a sudden we'll be off and running <laughs> what do you think he was braced for at the start there you think he thought he was going to ask a question about Charlie Austin or something uh, maybe um, I think Johnny asked, asked, said afterwards I thought you were going to say 
<laughs> do, um, do you feel under pressure kind of thing? But yeah, I when I got there, I was like, I kind of only really want to ask this. But it feels it just the only phrasing I could think of felt quite mean. But I was I kind of you have to do it anyway because this, this is the question, right? With Swindon at the moment, you know, if if we know what the issue is, which is that conviction and the composure and all of these things, and we've known it since July, then why aren't they doing it yet? And it's just. I, I kind of think there isn't an answer, but it's just the own ever since that game, it's the only thing that's been going around my head is why is it still the case? Ah, the fine lines bit made my toes curl in the same way he bemoaned the only player who can head a football being off the pitch when Walsall scored in his post-match interviews. It feels like I'm scraping the barrel, but I'm probably being harsh, aren't I? No, I kind of agree because... You know, it it can't be fun at one at some stage. The fine lines would be going your way, but other than Mansfield and Rochdale, they haven't, and it's been consistently going against Swindon. And that can't. And like I said in the phrasing of the question, that surely can't just be bad luck or Swindon coming on the wrong side of a fine line. That can't happen twenty one times, surely. And. Yeah, so I I, I, completely, I completely agree with the, the fine lines thing. I get the answer, but it also doesn't help. Talk to me about the dynamic of press conferences, because I've read plenty of comments where it's suggested that tougher questions aren't or can't be asked. You know, when things are going well, it's all lovely and smiley, and the tone doesn't tend to shift when a lot of people right now are thinking we're not in crisis, but serious questions have to be asked. And it's all very samey, isn't it? Andrew Halls, who does most of the questions during these, he's the master of putting things very politely and delicately and getting what he needs and what we need to hear. But it's all very nice, isn't it, at the moment? Can you can you ask difficult questions or would the club shut it down? I mean, I don't think Dave would step in. It kind of felt to me today like there were all eyes on this press conference because usually I tweet out that it's happening and people just sort of go, all right, and there's like maybe a handful of likes on it. But there was a lot of a lot of it throughout the day with people making comments of, of, of varying degrees of rudeness. Um, but it, it kind of felt like there was there was a big focus on this press conference, which is which is a bit surprising given that everyone keeps saying that they're, they're not enjoying the season but um yeah um I mean I guess I could at that point I was I didn't have a second question I was kind of thinking what else can I ask him was <laughs> is kind of the reason I mean I probably can and possibly should follow up but I don't think there really is a follow-up to fine lines are you sure like <laughs> I don't even know what his answer would be to that question I think I sort of see my position as this is what the people are thinking. This or this is what I am thinking. Can you have the platform to dissuade my fears, please? And that's kind of how I see it, how it pans out. Yeah, that's fair enough. Uh, moving on to some player talk. Romeo Hutton was discussed in this presser, and he's struggled somewhat post. I'd say since post Tramier. Seems like the two has cottoned on to what we're doing here, although. We did go down the other side with Lavinia at times against Walsall. What was discussed here? Yeah, it was sort of uh, looking towards um, why in the last kind of few weeks he hasn't been as effective. It's, it's been fairly noticeable that 
he's he's not quite had the same impact he was having. Certainly, I just remember at Crawley, he was essentially marked out of the game by two players. And teams are, I think, teams are taking that approach. And it felt like Walsall kind of took the, we've got a bunch of big blokes in the middle, so I'd like to see you try kind of approach. And Scott Lindsay was talking about the way he's been speaking with Hutton about how we can maybe get him back to what he was doing. There was a bigger focus earlier on in the season about um, crossing from the right positions. And I think as Hutton gets more frustrated, he continually crosses from the wrong ones more often. So where he was getting the assists aren't the positions he necessarily crosses from as much. And about also how they can use shade to create that room again, where I think we saw a lot more second half. Shade is in himself more effective and kind of opens up Hutton a lot more when he can sort of roam around and do what he wants to do and sort of stand and drop off, receive the ball off the back line, move around and just be generally, you know, all over the place in in the best possible way. And then that will hopefully free up space for Hutton and just trying to use that to get him in the game again and in those positions where he really has hurt teams. Because, I mean, Jeff got doesn't help loads because he's not particularly tall, but, you know, what Hutton needs to put crosses in from the sort of lower, he needs to put low crosses in place where he can really drive it into a space. And more recently, he's definitely crossing from further back again. Is this a concern? Um, I think it has to be when your main outlet was was one guy and all of a sudden teams have really found out a way to stop it. I think Swindon, there was some good play that came down the left. There was certainly one move where Lavinia and Hutton played a few passes and cut straight through Walsall. So you know, Swindon have other ways of attacking, but Hutton is a, a clear asset to this team. He brings something that no one else can in terms of attributes with his driving runs and the, the way he can use power to get that ball into the middle quickly. And if he's not doing that as much, then you're relying on a lot on a, a style that's a, a lot slower. And clearly people don't like that as much um, in terms of on the left where they try and work a few patterns more than just hunt and go brr and cross in the middle. OK, well, another key player discussed during this conversation was Ellis Iandolo. I didn't give him enough credit last time as that was only his fourth career goal, third in the league. He did ever so well to get to that rebound and desperately unlucky not to score the initial effort, which would have been a lovely goal. Then he also limped off in true Iandolo fashion during the second half, but it doesn't sound like it's as serious as what we feared. What's going on here? Yeah, it sounds like his his fitness is good. He said later on that he you know, it was a small thigh thing, I believe, and he's he's definitely back in, so or most likely back in. So that should, calf even, so he should be fine. Um, but yeah, he's he really enjoyed what he can add because Iandolo is, for one thing, taller than the other midfielders, except Gladwin. But I think he plays taller than Gladwin, um, and you know he's that sort of aggression that maybe the others are quite technical footballers. They maybe don't have that as much, and Iandolo is a real engine in that midfield, and he can. Uh, I think we saw early doors, Swindon press quite effectively and Ellis Yandlow is a big part of that because defensively he's both disciplined and able to get around the pitch a lot. And Scott Lindsay was you know, re- really enjoying that. I like the sort of um, his quote in it where he said, he always looks tired, but then he finds that extra lung and then he keeps going again. He was really helping Swindon in that game. And he said that he felt that Swindon maybe lost control when Yandlow came off injured. So... He's definitely been more of an asset since he's gone 
into that midfield role where you know maybe he hasn't always played at Swindon because he's basically played everywhere but where he would like to play. Let's stick with availability then. Who's back ahead of the Northampton game? Well, I mentioned Jeff Cott in terms of Romero Hutton and he is back in. Um, was described as a lengthy spell out. I think it was like a month, but sure. Um, he's, he's definitely going to be good. And then the 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 deep um, deep cold that's been going around and not helping Swindon, which I think Lindsay said that the team that played against Walsall had one training session together in between Barrow and Walsall, despite the fact they had a, a nice gap in between those two games because people were having to come in and then out again because they had the flu. Um, so that sounds like that's going away, which means that Brennan, who won't be involved, is came back in today to do some running, um, and he's he's getting close to being back in. But it sounds like Swindon are over the worst of that, and anyone who was impacted by it should be fine pretty quickly. Before we talk about Northampton a little bit, Scott Lindsay was asked about League Two. What was discussed here? Yeah, he was um, he was sort of talking about the the top three more than anything else because they're. I mean, maybe they're not even League Two now. They're a league of their own compared to everyone else points-wide, certainly. Um, he said that they all play fairly different ways from each other. And we all know the differences in Stevenage and the way Richie Wellens' side plays. But you know, they, they do their own things and they're really good at them. And he's he was very complimentary about John Brady at Northampton and the way that they've you know, they've been up at the top this entire time and that their prowess from set-pieces swindling a gone from playing the second best team from set pieces to playing the best team at them in the la- in these last two games. So hopefully they'll have learned a few lessons there. It was just sort of generally pretty complimentary about those top sides. As you mentioned there, they are managed by John Brady, who is supported by two Swindon Town alumni, the legend that is Colin Calderwood, along with former centre-forward Mark Richards. They currently sit in third position, nine points adrift, of Richie Wellens' Orient, but seven points clear of fourth place, Carlisle United, so they're having a great old season. Like most games at the moment for Swindon, we find ourselves up against an in-form side. Northampton are unbeaten in their last 10 games, four wins and five draws. They got a draw in their last game on Boxing Day at Mansfield, courtesy of a late Sam Hoskins equaliser. He's got 14 goals for the season, thus making it the best campaign of his 12-season career to date. Their 11 was Burge, former Swindon Town Player of the Year, Akin Aldemeo, McGowan, Shering. Guthrie, Fox, Leonard, McWilliams, Bowie, Appiah and Hoskins. Early in the season, Town lost to the Cobblers at the county ground. You might remember Swindon taking the lead just after the hour mark via Johnny Williams before Ben Fox got an equaliser a few minutes later and then Mitchell Pinnock got a winner with about two minutes to go to give Northampton a 2-1 victory. I usually say at this point, what did Scott Lindsay say about Northampton? But we've covered everything that was discussed from this presser. Um, One thing I was made aware of was the form against the current top 10. And it isn't red hot of the current top 10. And I appreciate some of the lower end of that could dip out and a couple teams could come up who we have beaten. But we've won two, drawn five, lost three. And we scored 11 goals and also conceded 11 goals. What do you think about this, Joe? If if you are under pressure, is playing a clearly good team good or bad? 
what do you think the expectations for this game are? Yeah, I think the expectation would be lower. I'm going myself and preparing preparing for quite a long and disappointing evening in the cold. But I, I don't think that necessarily saves Swindon in the aftermath because went into Walsall and Walsall were one of the form sides in the division and that didn't seem to help anything, the fact that we lost that game. So, you know, playing Northampton, that yes, they're top three, but I don't think it changes the, the narrative particularly much What when Swindon... If it were Swindon to lose this game, how people would talk about it. I think, you know, I think Swindon need a result here. Like I said, going into Barrow because the mood is so low that that I don't think the mitigating factor of you playing the third best team in the league will really come into it. It's going to be a strong away following. And if it goes well, then we'll have a McCormack moment and it'll be a season highlight for sure. But if it's a bad one, then Clem Morfuni is going to hear the discontent from the director's box. And, well, yeah, absolutely. We're hoping for a a Jordan Lydon kind of situation here. But I I think this not necessarily ugly because it's an away game and they are for various reasons different. But I I think that Swindon need to get off to a quickish start, get the get the fans behind them and then go from there because. Northampton are going to be really up for it with the you know that nine game unbeaten run that you were talking about. So, you know they're one of the top sides in the division. Swindon form wise in the complete opposite direction, and the fact the atmosphere is really bad. So I, I think we, we talk a lot about the fast starts, and I think they're definitely going to need one because the fans just don't seem to get behind Swindon for any other reason. If Swindon win in a way akin to that McCormack goal in the Decanio era, then I think Lindsay is going to do more than celebrate on the pitch. A complete fist-punching lap of honour, I would think. Yeah, we're not bad for a late goal at this ground. I remember, I think it was when we were playing Coventry there in about 2014, I remember Michael Smith scoring late. So, obviously that one and then the Jordan Lyon goal. We're, you know, we're not bad for a, a bit of late heroics at Sixfields. Oh, I was too nervous going into that Northampton game in 2020. I turned my phone off, watched a film and checked my phone when I thought the game was over, but it was still it was still playing out and thus made my endeavours utterly pointless and I was a wreck again, ho-hum. Yeah, I think I was re- refreshing my phone roughly every two seconds whilst having a just a, ch- chilling out with my housemates at university. Set piece chat was a big part of this presser. We'll return to the Joe's Ode in just a minute, but what was covered in the initial conversation? Well, he sort of said we have to concentrate on ourselves and then said they've been working on the defensive set pieces again. So I don't think that necessarily worked. I don't know if he thought we're going to be focusing on us recreating their set pieces in an attacking sense or what that would have been. But no, we've it was the obvious throw forward having conceded from two sort of second phases, I suppose, set pieces of the weekend, but set pieces nonetheless. It's an absolute given that Swindon are going to work on things like oppositions, set pieces. It's not always a case of let's focus on ourselves because it's not as simple as that, is it? And I know Lindsay doesn't really think this, but his way of saying, I guess it's his way of saying, well, we're not scared of them or anyone. Yeah, I think that's kind of what he's getting at, is that we're not we're not frightened of what they can do. I think that's what he means. But it's, I think, especially when it's something so specific as set pieces, where you can really work on them quite in depth, then, you know, why wouldn't you work on set pieces? Swindon, coming into the weekend, had only conceded three goals from set pieces. Now, obviously, it's five. But, you know, 
he's right in saying that generally speaking, Spinden have dealt with these situations quite well. Uh, the, so the zonal system they've been working has been quite good. And then obviously taking break Tracy off didn't help, but you know, you've got to deal with that late corner. It has to happen. And hopefully they'll have put in enough work this time because it, I asked him after the Walsall game, I was like, you highlighted this pregame. Why have we conceded twice? Um, kind of kind of line of questioning. And uh, clearly they need to do a bit more work on it and Northampton being even better than Walsall, you hope they would have done. Okay, let's return to the Joe zone. Yeah, and then on Northampton, I feel like I'm not touching them quite as much as maybe we should, but... No, what, other than set piece, how much, how big of a threat can they provide to you? A uh, big threat. They've got good players. You know, they're they're quite. Um, people think they're quite direct, which they are to a degree. But they also they also kind of use their back four really well to get out. Uh, they spread quite wide. Full backs go really high, so they're quite expansive in many ways. Um, they've got good players in the middle of the pitch, and and they've got a certain way of playing, and it, and it's kind of hard to press. Um, you know, and they, they use the whole pitch really well. They're a good side. Thank you. So despite all this set piece talk, Lindsay was very quick to point out that there's more to Northampton than set pieces. Yeah, I, I kind of was like, we've, we've heard about the set pieces, so we'll, we'll leave them there. But um, what, what else can they do? Because they're not just third off of, you know, Rory Delap. But um, uh, apparently there's a perception of them being a bit of a direct team, but he, he likes the way that they try to stretch the pitch and get get wide and play that way. Um, and obviously Swindon will have to will have to deal with that if they can... Because they've at times had quite big holes in the middle of the pitch, the Swindon defence, so hopefully they can deal with the width and also sort that out. And yeah, it was... It was I mean, I guess I specifically asked, so we'd at least get some Northampton conversation into this. Beyond, uh, they're good at set pieces, right? <laughs> I imagine Northampton fans are super defensive about their side. We're more than just a set piece team. Yeah, it's, it's a great thing to have in your in your quiver. But clearly, the, the fact that Northampton are so good at them is taken away from all the other discourse around them. Which, you know, as you say, Northampton fans probably don't like too much. Not much more to talk about, but Swindon Town support was discussed. Yeah, he was obviously they were they're desperate to do well for the fans, so I play like it then. But um, yeah, the the reference to the the big Boxing Day crowd, or supposedly it was big. The number suggested it. it didn't look quite as much from where I was sat, but I couldn't see most of the articles. Um, yeah, uh, obviously it was kind of obvious stuff where. We want to be playing well from them. He, he sort of reiterated what he said after the um, the game at Walsall, where he, he felt that Swindon didn't play, you know, they didn't execute the plan like they had most of the season and were a bit lacking in that in a lot of areas. But, you know, he, he was convinced that they still they still went out for that win like they pledged to do. They just they just didn't get it again. And you know, they are desperately trying to get these fans to like them, even if it's very much not working. It's a rallying cry for a game that's two and a half weeks away, and they won't need much effort shifting tickets as a certain someone has signed by the looks of it. And heck, if things don't go our way before then, well, he might not be in the dugout for the Grimsby game. But of course, that is pure speculation. Transfer talk-wise, all very non-committal stuff. My, my question in my prep before the Austin news broke was, 
why are you choosing not to ask questions about Charlie Austin when it's one of the biggest stories in recent years? Why wasn't there any point in asking? Well, from my, this isn't the reason, but from my perspective, we've asked it three or four times now. We've not got an answer and we weren't going to until he actually signed. So soundbite wise, it's not very interesting. Um, he's not going to give you a good quote. No manager would give you a good quote on a player you haven't signed yet. It just doesn't happen. So journalistically speaking, it's beating a dead horse for the sake of having asked a question about Charlie Austin. But the specific reason is that uh, Dave Rickson said, yeah, so Scotland is kind of fed up with answering Scotland, uh, Charlie Austin questions all the time. So it, it, we would rather you didn't ask. One of the biggest signings at this level in recent times, and he's going to coach Charlie Austin, but he's sick of talking about it. Yeah, he's in for a rude awakening now that he's actually joined, because that's going to be all the questions even after. Deary, deary me. Well, there'll be plenty of transfer talk over the coming weeks, I am sure. Let's move on to predictions. I'm going to let you go first again. What are you going for? Um... 2-0 Northampton. Oh, I'm going to go 2-2. Oh, good bit of excitement. I'll take that. Yeah, you'll get your money's worth. And my hope is that Swindon do the equalising. Well, let's hope Swindon turn things around against Northampton. Joe, thank you very much. Thank you very much, Rich. The Low Strangers is an independent podcast and views given do not reflect those of Swindon Town Football Club. The intro music of the presser is by the amazing Drag Me Down, influenced by the great Matthew Kilford. And the podcast artwork is by Matt in Singapore. What a guy. Thanks for listening. Come on, Swindon. Hello, bubble. Hi, Alice Pod fans, it's JR here. If Swindon players were McDonald's items, who would they be? We've had lots of Big Macs, like the legendary Alan McLaughlin, Harry McCurdy, or even Steve McMahon. Perhaps you'd prefer to channel the power of McPlant, like Darren Ward, or maybe five chicken selects, one to enjoy for each time Ben Gladwin joined. Yep, there's one spare, but there's still time. And you don't need super scouts or data solutions to get your hands on any of these. McDelivery through the McDonald's app brings them all to you. At participating restaurants, 18 plus. Serving times, delivery fee, and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started.